0: welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, Life Coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. This podcast is a continuation of my solo series where I'm going to be diving into all of the key topics that have been really important to me since I've been in my 30s for the past almost six years and that I see time and time again as important things with my clients. Now this week's episode is a bit off the cuff. It's going to be talking all about my egg freezing journey. Now I want to start the episode by giving a huge disclaimer. I am not a medical professional. I'm not a healthcare professional. Yes, I have done so much research and I genuinely believe that I could I could uh, run a lecture or be a voice of authority in relation to egg freezing just simply because of the amount of research that I have done. But I do not hold myself out to be an expert. And I really think that If you have further questions and deeper questions or any doubts around anything that I'm saying, that please make sure that you contact your own healthcare professionals and you do your own research. And on that note, I want to really make it clear and state that my experience freezing my eggs was my experience. This is just one person's journey and one person's information that I have Experienced firsthand, and everybody is different. There are so many variables when it comes to going through a procedure like this, and I just want to make it clear from the start that it really is just one person's journey, and that person isn't a healthcare professional. So now I've got that out the way. The way I'm going to run the episode is to run through a QA. So, a list of questions. I have a dedicated instagram page that i set up when i first started freezing my eggs it's called emma's eggs very nicely named and i set that up so i could record my journey and people could in a safe space because i didn't want to do it on my turning 30 instagram as i knew that even though this topic is very important and relevant for many people not everybody wants to be a mother or is interested in fertility. And I wanted to make sure that I could share in a safe space that was a private Instagram page. So I actually have not so much been active on that page since. And it's not something that I intend to keep updating unless something really relevant happens. But I do just want to let you know that If you want to see videos from when I'm freezing my eggs, when I'm doing the injections and see the written version of these questions, you can still add yourself to that Instagram account. I'll accept you. And you can go and look at the highlights there. So it's not an account that is currently active. I don't know if I'll at some point bring it back. But I just think it's really important that if you want to actually see the journey visually then you can definitely go there and do it but what I'm going to do is I've taken the list of questions that I received when I did a call for questions on that page and I got loads and loads of questions and I've basically picked out the ones that I think are the most important and relevant and I haven't prepared at all so really off the cuff very much just going to be talking about my own experience and talking about what I can remember and I hope that it helps you and I'm not just saying this. I really, really believe in the power of the vulnerability of sharing about fertility and trying to break through that taboo that it's weird or strange to talk about egg freezing or to talk about fertility or infertility and struggles to conceive or all of the emotions around being in your 30s and really struggling with the idea that maybe your biological clock is ticking and you don't have enough time and I want to offer to anybody that really does want to you know explore this option that you can absolutely use this as a resource you can use Emma's eggs if you have personal questions please feel free to reach out to me on my usual turning 30 coach Instagram and I'll be happy to answer them for you and don't be afraid to really step up and want to ask those big questions Now just as some background for anyone here who is potentially new to who I am and my situation, I am currently 35 years old, I froze my eggs when I was 35, I did the process in September 2022 from August to September and I was single at the time of doing it so I did it alone and I am based in Tel Aviv where I have lived for eight years so I did the process there. So the first question that I want to address today is a question that says what made you go from considering it, the egg freezing, to actually doing it? And I think it's important to talk here about the fact that it isn't something that we decide overnight it is something that each of us have our own personal journey with and I think from the moment that we open the topic in our heads until the moment that we actually go ahead and do it could take a different length of time for each person I know some people open up the topic and then within a month or two have already started the process for me it did not look like that and I want to tell you and share my personal experience of making the decision and how it looked for me So firstly, as some more context and background, I was in a four-year relationship from the age of 29 until just before my 33rd birthday. And during this time, I thought that the relationship that I was in was going to be my life partner, and that we were going to have children together. It was something we spoke about, even in terms of the near future. It was like, okay, we're gonna, in the next two years, start to think about having children. And it was something that I just expected would happen now there's another question that comes up here that actually did get asked I wasn't going to answer it separately but I want to put here that you know I often get asked did you always know you wanted to be a mum and I think that this is a whole other question even a whole other podcast episode of considering motherhood and the honest answer for me is that I always did it's never been a huge drive or passion of mine it's never been motherhood has never been something that I really wanted from a young age never was really something that when I see other people's children that I'm like oh my gosh I'm desperate to be a mum this is my calling in life or I can see that it's something that I really want if I'm being completely honest it's just something that I have one life here in this body that I know of and I during that time motherhood is something that I wanted to go through, but it's never really been something that really pulled me and really, you know, it wasn't a high priority for me, almost to the point where in my, from my late twenties, when my friends did start having children, it was one of those, okay, in a few years, I'll be ready. And then when I was 33 and I went through the breakup, it was like, okay, that's fine for now. In a few years, I'll be ready. So I do think that, and from what I've heard from other people who are already mothers that we never actually genuinely feel ready, or it is something that a lot of women struggle with. But I did just want to point out here and emphasize that it isn't necessarily something that I've been running towards really quickly. And I I want to say that because egg freezing is a big decision. And I think a lot of women who struggle with it do struggle to answer that question, do I really want to be a mother? And for me, the reason that helped me decide was that I do think I want to be a mother. I would really hope to get the opportunity to bring a child into the world. And egg freezing was a way to ensure that as and when I would be ready to do that. And probably because of my relationship status, it would be a little bit later on than I had originally anticipated. I just wanted to leave the option open. I just wanted to leave it that, like an insurance policy, that's what they really say about egg freezing is that you're creating a kind of insurance policy for yourself. So, that for me is to answer that question that when I did open the consideration of, okay, do I 100% want to be a mother? The answer was, I think yes. I'm not 100% sure. Let's really give set yourself up to be in a, the best possible position to do that. So, so to go back to the original question of, I've been in this relationship and thought that I was going to be a mother in the coming years. And then when we broke up, I at first was just so... In the breakup, I didn't think, oh, this, you know, my initial reaction wasn't, oh my God, I'm not going to be a mother. It was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be with this person and I'm single again and I'm alone. But I do think subconsciously those thoughts were there of, oh my gosh, biological clock, biological clock. And I did go out into the dating world for those first few months and I felt pressure. I genuinely felt that I was in a rush to meet the person because when you do the maths okay if I'm gonna meet the person now and I want to be with them for a year or two and then I want to get engaged and then we want to plan a wedding and then I want to get pregnant and it might take a while and when you do that really scary backwards maths it makes you feel panicked and I think at first it was very subconscious but after a couple of months I realized that I was dating in a way that I was interviewing a future life partner, and it wasn't healthy. It felt stressful. It felt pressured. And I can't remember specifically who or what conversation was had, but I started to think about, okay, what are my fertility options? And a lot of women are speaking now about egg freezing, and it just kept coming up. And... Oh, I actually do remember that it was during this time, I was coaching a client, my client Nikki, who was going through her egg freezing process. And we were talking about it in our coaching sessions. And we did a whole podcast episode earlier on in the podcast, it was about a year and a half ago, where we talked about her egg freezing journey, and she shared. So Also to reference that, you can definitely go back and listen to Nikki's journey as well. But it was during those conversations and those coaching sessions that I became aware that, okay, Nikki is one year older than me and I also have this option. And then I decided to start researching and exploring. For me, everybody has different personality types in the way that they are, but I'm somebody who gets a bee in their bonnet. And if they want to know something about something, I'm like, Googling and reading and researching. It didn't take over my life, but I did spend some time really getting to know the process and understanding. And then I found a podcast by Sir Sophia Money who is a writer who did a special podcast about her egg freezing journey at the age of 35 called Freezing Time. I really recommend that for anybody who also wants to explore this further, even further than this podcast episode. And from there, I just started to realize, okay, I do actually want to do it. And the first stop for me was to do the fertility MOT, which are the hormonal tests that you do. So I did those tests in December 2021. And very gratefully, unfortunately, the tests all came back normal if not better than normal I have fertility somebody quite high for my age and I consulted with the doctor and also my GP and was told that I wasn't really in a rush at this point I was 33 and a half and I was about to set off on a solo traveling trip for a few months and the doctor just said let's talk about it when you get back and there is no need to rush so I just set it down nicely there and felt really happy with that decision and then later on In the year when I was back from the trip, I opened the decision up again and decided, you know what, I'm not in a rush to do it now. I still wanted to save up a little bit more. It is a big expense, which I'll talk about in a moment. And then I decided to park it and I reopened the door the year later. So this is now December, sorry, the first, the initial uh, I got the date wrong the initial decision to do the test was December 2020 and now flash forward we're in December 2021 and I contacted the nurse who is was part of the um, clinic that I was doing it in and I was told that my tests weren't relevant anymore and I should do the test again so I did the fertility MOT one more time and just so everyone knows what that MOT is It's very country specific, I believe, but it was a series of blood tests and it was also a vaginal scan of your ovaries to count the follicles, which are basically the houses that the eggs grow into, to see how many that you have. And these are the two tests that they do. So I did these tests and they came back, funnily enough, my fertility hadn't changed within one year, which I think is a really interesting point because we're really taught and told that, oh my gosh, from that 30 plus, your eggs are literally being murdered the longer that you don't have a child and a whole year had passed and I had gone from 33 to 34 you know six months before my 35th birthday which is the cliff the fertility cliff that we're all so terrified of and my fertility had actually slightly improved now I asked the doctor about this and his response was we're not robots so the fertility can look different every single month and the changes were quite slight and he also said Sometimes your fertility doesn't change year on year. So I was really pleased with that and I decided to go ahead. I also did an extra test that you pay for called an AMH test. The AMH test is the anti-molecular molecular hormone test and it's a test that measures your hormone reserve. So this is usually a very good indicator of your egg reserve. And also it is a strong indicator of how your body is going to react to the fertility drugs. Now I want to put a caveat here that there's a lot of fear when people get back low AMH results. And when that fear comes, people genuinely go and say, oh my God, if you have a result mine that is less than this specific Uh, figure then you can't naturally have a baby and sometimes the doctors are really binary with it and they also kind of get on board and I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people who have been really upset and shocked with low AMH levels who conceived naturally and I think Nikki is a great example here in her podcast episode she shares that her result was her AMH result was very, very low. And it was caused her a lot of drama and emotions because the doctor basically told her she may not be able to have a baby naturally. And she actually ended up getting pregnant very, very easily and unexpectedly, naturally. So I think it's really important to know that sometimes we have to take these uh, figures with a pinch of salt. And I won't go into my specific fertility levels, I don't feel like it's necessary, but I did the AMH test and also came back with a really high number and I was really, the doctors were very pleased and encouraged and I decided, okay, I'm ready to go ahead. It was also the middle of winter, which I thought was a great time because nothing was really going on and I had this uh, expansive time. And then I was just about to start the process literally three days before my period came, which is the day you start the injections. And the Omicron virus was in full swing and everyone around me had had uh, COVID. And I spoke to the doctors and they told me that if I was to get COVID in the middle of doing the injections, then I wouldn't be allowed to have the surgery in the hospital, which I thought was just crazy because it's so expensive. And obviously you're putting your body through this turmoil and I wouldn't be able to be able to go ahead with it. So I just sat with myself and spoke to a few different people who had already done the egg freezing and I decided it wasn't the right time. And in true Emma style, I decided not to do the egg freezing and instead booked a flight to Mexico. And I went off and parked it again and said I would pick it up when I got home. Now, during this time, and I think because I got the good AMH result, I was a bit like, oh, do I even need to do the egg freezing? I'm fine. I'm good. And I didn't actually think about it again until July of 2022, when I got a dating rejection. Somebody I'd been seeing for a month and they broke it off with me quite out of the blue. And I was quite thinking that we were enjoying the first stages of dating. And It propelled me to get my ex frozen. It was funny because the decision was inside of me and I wanted to do it anyway. But that rejection really made me realize, okay, um, do not rely on meeting somebody, you take control. And I think the rejection hurt a little bit because it had been out of my control and I just really wanted to feel empowered and I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. And a few weeks later, I was already started the process. So it was a long path for me. And something about taking back that control and that empowerment was really important. So lots of lessons within that story, but the decision was long-winded, the decision was thought out, and I didn't realize until after I did it how much, even though I parked the decision and consciously decided not to do it, it was taking up a lot of room in my head. So just something else to note that sometimes deciding not to do it is a decision. It was the right decision for me and the right time, but... It really, I really did want to do it and I think I was afraid and I was afraid of doing it alone and I was afraid of the side effects, but I'm so glad that I plucked up the courage and decided to take that empowered decision to do it in the end at the time that felt right for me. Now moving on to the next question, and it's the question that I get asked the most. It's the question that I always get asked first, and it's a question that I can't really answer. So the question is, how much does it cost? And the answer is, it really, really depends where you are in the world. The costs dr- drastically differ depending on where you are. For example, in the UK, it depends firstly, which, which kind of clinic that you do it in, but in the private clinics, from what I understand, each round can cost a few thousand pounds. In the States, you are looking at $10,000 plus per round, much more expensive. And I think that's more in the big cities. That's the New York price that I'm aware of. And in Tel Aviv, it's much less than that. It's uh, around two, three thousand pounds uh, for, for a round. And you also get, if you decide to do two or three rounds, then you get a different price. In Eastern Europe. I know that the prices are much, much lower. Some people fly to Mexico because there the prices are much lower as well. There is an option to fly and fly and do it abroad somewhere that is each to like each to your own if you want to do that some people do it because they do want to cut costs and they can't afford to do it in their home country and i think that it's a great idea just but just to expect that you'll have to be there for a certain amount of time you would have to think about accommodation you'd have to think about the egg storage where you're going to store them how you're going to bring them back if you want to use them for IVF you're going to do the Uh, insemination IVF process eventually in that country where you froze them or you're going to do it in the country where you're you are resident and I think there's a lot of questions but honestly the cost is a lot you know for most people we don't just have that money lying around it was something I did have to save up for but it's something to be to consider and if you're interested in doing it and you want to know the cost please go and check. You can go and check on Google, or you can reach out to the clinics that are in your local area and find out. I do not want to spread incorrect information. And, you know, attached to this question is, you know, how can you afford it? Or is it worth the price? And all those questions that come from the cost. And again, going back to that point, it's an insurance policy. For me, it just felt like I wanted to pay that money, it felt like the money was, it was a good place to put the money and everyone needs to decide that for themselves and I would say that if you know it's something that you want to do in the next few years, then you should start saving up. You can put money per side per month, a little bit of money, and maybe in three, four years, then you'll be able to, to afford it if it's not something that is accessible to you. Something else I want to say, and this is relevant more for the US listeners, are that there are many companies that are now supporting egg freezing as part of IVF. I say many companies, that's actually not true. There are some companies who are supporting it. So I definitely would check. Also check with your a health insurance provider if it's something that they're willing to subsidize here in Israel it isn't something that they are you can get the original fertility tests uh, under your insurance and then after that it is an elective procedure it's an elective um, surgery so it's not covered under any insurance but again I don't want to give the wrong information and I think it's something that every person should research themselves next question is what's the ideal age to freeze And the answer is there isn't an ideal age, I would say pre 40. Uh, I know here, you're not allowed to do it under over 40. I'm not actually sure if that's true. But there are some restrictions about age. And in America, I know from listening to the freezing time podcast that women are looking into it as young as 28, 29, 30. I don't think that there is an ideal age to freeze your eggs. For me, thirty-five, being single and thirty-five, felt like the right time. It felt like the time that I would want to ensure myself and take responsibility for it. But I don't think there is a specific age. If someone, and I did reply to this on a on a story the other day when somebody asked if somebody is 31, 32 and worrying about their fertility, I would recommend going and doing the fertility test and seeing if you have something to worry about. If the tests come back that your fertility levels are within the normal range, I personally wouldn't do it straight away. I would personally wait. And that's also because, and the laws are changing very quickly, but there are are laws around how long you can store the eggs for. And I think that again, very country dependent, but in the UK, for example, it's, I think, 10 years. So if you think that you can actually have IVF and have a baby until your mid to late 40s, you maybe wouldn't want to do the egg freezing process from your early 30s, your very early 30s. Now, doctors have different opinions to this. The doctors that I consulted with when I first decided to go on this uh, egg freezing journey said to me, your eggs are getting less good quality and less in quantity every day of your 30s, not to be, you know, sound uh, full of doom. But if you're going to do it in the end anyway, then you may as well do it as soon as possible. And that stuck with me a little bit because because I had high fertility on the results, I thought, mm, should I put it off? You know, I don't really want to take time out to do this. It's going to cost this chunk of money. Maybe I'll wait till I'm 37. And that was the reason that I did think, "Mm, you know what, the doctor did say, if I'm probably going to do it in the end anyway, I should just do it sooner rather than later. So again, no ideal age, whatever feels right for you. I think 34, 35, 36, 37, those are the ages that most frequently I see women freezing their their eggs. But again, if you're even past that age and you want to do it, please go and check and see if it's possible for you. Now, the next question is, how do you start the journey? And I think I've alluded to that quite a lot in here. And I think the first step, once you've decided and you've gone through the process of saying, yes, I want to do it, is to go and do the fertility MOT tests. And again, country dependent, how much they cost, whether they're included in your health insurance, but go and get the results and then go and see from there how you want to do it if you want to start it immediately or if you have a reason to wait and that's basically very simple how the journey starts you go you do the tests, and then if you say okay I'm ready to do it now let's just say you've got the test results everything's come through you've had the scans everything's normal you're ready to go ahead then you'll be waiting for your next period because you start the injections the egg freezing process where you're actually putting the fertility drugs the hormones in your body the first day that you get your period the first or the second day actually that's not true it's within the first two days of your period and I think now let's make this question as a segue into the process itself okay so what actually is the process how long does it last? And all the questions around that. So I'm just going to share it for my, again, my personal journey and what happened with me. So I got my period, I called the nurses to tell them, they told me the next to come the next morning, and they would do a blood test. So what's happening when you do the process is that you're putting the medication, the the drugs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually just from now on, call it the hormones into your body. And they're Monitoring the levels of the hormones, the reaction of your body via blood tests. So you go regularly to go and check your blood to see how those hormones have been taken in by your body. And then you also, at the same time, are being monitored by monitoring the follicles, the egg follicles. And that's by the uh, intravaginal scan, which is when you go to have, you know, if you go to have a smear test, and sometimes they do the scan. From the inside, with the dildo style uh, scan, I don't know what you call it, machine contraption. And basically, you have that. And with that, they're counting your egg response to the uh, drugs, to the hormones. And something that I didn't know before, which might be interesting, is that each month, our body produces one egg. And then that egg gets released into our uterus. And if it's not fertilized by a sperm, then it gets released you know with our um with our period when we bleed and the what happens when we're putting these drugs into our body is firstly we're stimulating more eggs to be produced so that's the first drug that we inject ourselves with is to stimulate the egg production so instead of making one egg your body will make the maximum amount of eggs that it can and instead of it automatically being released, because when the egg is a certain size, it will release from your ovary into the uterus. We take another drug, which is an antagonist drug, which basically prevents that egg being released. So it stays in the ovary until it's ready, basically, until you're ready to do the retrieval. And that's when the doctors will decide, okay, the eggs are the right amount and the right size. Now, the next question from here is, what's the right amount of eggs? What what's the number of eggs you should be aiming for. And again, it's so personal. I think that there can be this air of competition or comparison when it comes to egg freezing of how many eggs does she get and how many eggs have I got and all you know the narrative around that, which can be quite toxic. What I'll say is from my research is that I understood for one to guarantee one or two live births by the time that you go through the process of defrosting the eggs when you're ready to uh, inseminate and implant them, you're looking at wanting to get around 20 eggs from as the amount of rounds of egg freezing that it takes. Now, if you're somebody who has low fertility or has struggles or doesn't respond well, there is a chance that you might not get an egg at all, which is a story, very sad and unfortunate story that happens to some women. But I think we should speak about it more because my example is of somebody who could produce eggs, but there are women out there who can't. Or we're looking at, you know, women who do, who do IVF. Who actually, when you do IVF, the first part of the IVF process is the same as the egg freezing process. And we're looking at getting from between one to five, one to eight eggs per round, and anything you know higher than ten or above is seen to be um, very good. And again, it really depends on the person, but for most women who are thirty around the age of 35, from what I understood, it's normal to do two or three rounds of uh, egg freezing to get 20 plus eggs in the freezer. So, you know, obviously the more the better, and I won't lie to you and tell you that I didn't get caught up on the egg numbers, I absolutely did, and when you go in and they're monitoring you and following how many eggs are being produced, there was that constant feeling of okay i want more i want more i want more Uh, but it's really important to mention that each woman will produce a different amount of eggs completely depending on so many different factors mostly being fertility levels age and response to the medication so i digressed a little bit which we can see happening because i'm doing this so off the cuff and not structured but i want to go back to you go in to have your monitoring from the first day of your period and then basically you inject the follicle stimulating hormone the egg stimulating hormone and for me that was a drug called gonal gonal f and you it's like a pen and you do the injections and you do them in your stomach area i know for some people they also do it in their legs, I heard people who were doing uh, IVF do it in different areas, but for me, and for most people I know who did egg freezing, we did it in our stomach. So you basically find a spot on your stomach. I used an ice cube to just numb the area a little bit. And you basically select the amount of drug, which you'll be told by the nurse or the doctor. They basically decide what's called the protocol, which is the amount of drugs that each day they want you to inject. You select the right amount on the pen or on the syringe if you're using a different drug. And then basically you inject it yourself. Now I've had so many questions of, was it really hard? Did it hurt? The injections, how did you cope? Are you scared of needles? Listen, it isn't pleasant. For most of us, unless we, you know, Have had diabetes and we've got used to injecting ourselves with something in the past for a health condition, it's very rare that we'll know what it's like to inject ourselves. And this was the strangest part for me is that the nurse explains you how to do it in a few minutes, and then it's like, okay, bye, go home and do it. It was really confronting. I I'm not scared of needles, I really don't like them. When I get blood tests, I before this process actually changed during the egg freezing process, I would always tell the nurse, please. I don't want to see it just let me know when you're putting the needle in but I don't actually want to see it because it makes me feel queasy so I'm definitely more on the side of feeling very uncomfortable with injecting myself but I really just felt like okay so many women do it I obviously I'm a coach I coach myself through it I had so many offers from amazing friends who said, I'll come with you and do it. But for me, it was important to do it alone. And I do think that's the biggest difference between egg freezing and IVF is that you are alone. Most people, you maybe have a roommate or if you live with your family, but most people don't have a partner when they're doing it. And if you don't, You don't have somebody there to bounce off or to complain to or to help you with the injections. But for me, even though I knew I had a support network and I could ask friends, I wanted to do it myself because I was going to be injecting in my body for 12 whole days. And I thought, I don't want it to be that somebody is going to have to come around every time I do it. I just want to do it myself. So funnily enough, one of my closest friends, she was also doing her egg freezing exactly the same time as me in the same hospital. Her period had started a few days before mine. So we FaceTimed each other and I helped her do her first one. And I think that she also helped me with my first one. But I did do it when I was alone. And I'm really happy I did. That was a really good decision for me and an empowering one to get used to it. And honestly, did it hurt? No, the narrow, the needle is very, very narrow. It's very thin. I really didn't feel it. You press it in, it's like stings, doesn't even stink you like feel a jab for a minute and then you pull it out you've got to clean the area with alcohol before afterwards i just put on a little cotton like a bit of cotton wool and waited for it to go down sometimes you're left with like a little red uh, spot little red dot where where you first do it now this is true for the first injections things did develop and it did change over time but the first injections for me and actually the first four days of the process were were kind of easy. It just felt like, okay, we did this every single day. You Select to do it at the same time. You Either choose to do it in the morning or the evening. For me, I decided to do it every night at 8 p.m. It just worked well for me with my schedule. And it, it really felt fine. And I didn't notice that much change in my body. Now, when I first did it the first time, I remember I'm very attuned to my body. I can kind of like feel every twinge. And I did feel like, oh, I could feel my ovaries like working. I did feel like a few almost like small period pains not even pains just movements in my uh, womb area but I, apart from that you know very minimal um, change in my body and then after a few days you go back you have the same test again the blood test and the scan and then they uh, alter the dose according to that and I think the time after that I went back the third time they introduced the next type of drug which was the antagonist drug which basically prevents these the follicles that are developing into eggs to be uh, released and for me everything changed when I added that drug in because up until that point I didn't feel many side effects and I felt mostly fine and all of a sudden it maybe it was just the compound effect the accumulative effect of doing the drugs for five days but on the fifth day i started the second type of injection which this time was a syringe and not a pen and actually it was a little bit more painful i was injecting a hormone called cetratide which my friend had a different hormone to me and we don't we actually still don't know why uh Again, it's very personal. The doctor decides the protocol that's best for your fertility levels in your body. But this one hurt a little bit more. It was more sensitive around the area when you did it. And uh, I felt like I could feel the injection more, and the needle was longer. And something just switched from that day. From that day, I had quite bad symptoms and side effects from the hormones. Now, again, another disclaimer. Everybody is different. I don't want this to put anybody off because my friend who did it and many people who I've spoken to on my uh, egg Instagram told me that they didn't have side effects. In fact, uh, a follower just messaged me today saying she just is about to have her retrieval and she didn't have any side effects apart from some minor bloating, which was the same as my friend. That was not me. My body is really sensitive and I'm very very sensitive to any external substance that i put in my body so just to give an example i find it hard to drink caffeine because it makes me feel genuinely hyper and anxious and nervous and even if i drink a really small coffee it in earlier in the day it can prevent me sleeping at night so i would say i'm definitely on the on the scale of sensitivity for things in my body it i'm very high and i really think that you know, when I tell people how I responded to the egg freezing, they're like, it kind of makes sense. You're just, your body really is very uh, sensitive to very small changes. So the kind of symptoms that I had from this day is that I had, I did have quite bad bloating right in the middle of the cycle, but towards the end, it did go away. And so I had some bloating and I felt really, really sick. I felt really, Nauseous and I could barely eat, which is frustrating because I was trying to keep my health up and I was trying to still do some stretches and keep my body moving. But f- and I did that for the first five days, and then after I started to feel sick, it was really hard for me to do it. Now, again, I don't know, I've never been pregnant before, but I can imagine that that will be similar to the feeling in the first trimester where you genuinely feel a little bit sick, and I also. My ovaries felt really swollen, so it did hurt me to walk. And I just had extreme, extreme, extreme tiredness. Like, I was horizontal the whole time. I had no energy. I just really didn't want to be around anybody the funny side effect that I, has, I had was I couldn't be near men. The thought of talking to a man, even on like the dating apps or anything that I was on at the time, I was like disgusted by a man. At one point, I was like, I think that's it. Like, I'm, I'm being a lesbian because the thought of a man was just the worst. It's like the strongest side effect that I have, which I thought was hilarious because it's supposed to be putting all these hormones in my body to become, you know, more fertile. And I just was repelled at the thought. I was really nervous about potentially feeling depressed and feeling down and obviously you're low energy and for me I was low energy and I did feel a bit shit but in general I didn't feel depressed I knew it was from the drugs I knew that it was in my control I knew that I was just going through this process I knew it would be over soon so it wasn't you know all doom and gloom it was for me very 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 physical it just felt like my body was just going through something strange and Then you keep doing both drugs at the same time. And a few days later, I went back for another checkup. It was at this point that they told me that I had 13 eggs, which is a really high number but for considering my fertility levels they had expected more at this point and the eggs that they had most of them weren't big enough which is very typical me because I'm very I'm small I'm short I'm a small person I always was the smallest in the class and I was like typical that my eggs are too small and they said the nurses told me that I would really need the eggs to grow quite significantly in the last few days and they told me that it was very likely I would have to do a second round now at this point I was really one one part I knew I was going to probably do a second round but on the other hand I was felt so physically bad that I had already decided I don't want to do one so I was very upset this day and obviously from the hormones as well and I I did have a little cry and then I started to really practiced gratitude that I had 13 eggs and that some women don't get any eggs and managed to recenter myself and then every single evening for that week I didn't have any plans during this time I genuinely just stayed inside on the sofa watching things and reading I would massage my womb area my ovaries and I would really doing the mindset work I had affirmations making my eggs as big as possible and I you know, some people think it's woo woo and some people don't believe in it, but for me, I do. And I was really trying to do meditations and connect with my body. And I was saying, okay, come on, your body can do this, your body can do this. And then what happens is, on when the doctor decides that you have enough eggs, they give you the trigger shot. So the trigger shot is basically the injections that you do of a drug that releases all of the eggs that you've produced into your uterus ready for the retrieval. I was terrified because I'd heard, I don't know where I'd read it, somebody fainted when they did it, you get really bad pains, imagine all those eggs being released and honestly nothing happened. I did the injection and pretty much felt the same as I had been feeling, no crazy uh, side effects and you do the injection at a really specific time, depending on when they booked you in for the retrieval. So it has to be 36 hours before. So I did the injection at the time. And then the next day, just I took the day off work. I was at this point feeling very sensitive and very tender, really struggling to walk the dog. It was, that was my hardest thing. Poor Chica got very chubby whilst I did my freezing process because I barely was able to to exercise her. And then I went for the retrieval 36 hours later. as an early morning appointment and I had the eggs taken out. Now, questions coming up here are how long do you usually do the injections for? And again, it's really specific to your body. It can be anywhere from 10 to 14 days of injections. I think I injected for 11 or 12 days before I had the retrieval. Again, it really depends. If your eggs are already ready to come out, they'll cut it short. If you need a few more days of drugs, they'll also... uh, extend it so it really is very specific now the egg retrieval process is also very country dependent which I only realized when I started sharing my journey with people on Instagram that some countries do it where you are under local anesthetic here in Israel it's a general anesthetic so you go under and I know in the UK it's a special type of general anaesthetic which is quite uh, light. So again, check with your healthcare provider, your uh, fertility centre, what it is for you. But for me, it was a scheduled uh, general anaesthetic, and the procedure is basically done. They vacuum through your vagina the eggs out, and you know the eggs are tiny; they're like millimetre uh, radius. You can't see them with the with with the eye um so when it says vacuum them out it sounds more scary than it is and the surgery went really well I was a little bit nervous I hadn't been put under since I had my tonsils taken out when I was in my 20s and but it's over literally you blink and then you wake up and then for me you're really drowsy from the anesthesia it's amazing I love the feeling afterwards you feel a bit stoned and out of it and kind of relaxed and comfortable and I came round in the in the hospital and they told me that they had successfully managed to retrieve 22 eggs and I was just shocked I was very very shocked it's very typical for me to have been told you don't even have you know lots of your eggs are really small we don't have enough big ones and then in the last minute I would kind of pull it out the bag this is the my personality type when it comes to doing exams I would also be really bad during the year at coursework and get a really good exam result so I kind of laughed to myself when I got told the result now what happens is not all of the eggs that you retrieve are frozen because some of them can get damaged from the retrieval and they need to basically check. Now you can't check egg quality. You can only check, you know, they can check if they're viable or not, but they don't know if they're good eggs. The only way to know if eggs are good quality is to already mix them with sperm. And this is another question I get asked a lot is that, were you, are you going to uh, freeze eggs, just eggs or embryos? And an embryo is the fertilizer with sperm because when you freeze embryos, you can already see if the egg is viable or not. And I have heard some horror stories that people freeze eggs that aren't good quality, but there's no way to know until five years later when you defrost them and try and uh, fertilize them and they, they won't fertilize. So that is something to consider. I decided that I was at the stage where I was hoping, or I still am hoping, to meet somebody and bring a child into the world with them, with a, in a partnership, so I decided that I wasn't going to do egg donor sperm, but I also said to myself, if I do another round, then I will definitely consider that route and probably do some uh, donor sperm. Again, each to their own; it's a really personal decision. Anyway, uh, so they basically the hospital called me uh, later on to let me know that 19 of those eggs had gone into the freezer; that they were 19 of the eggs were looking as if they were viable. And while the relief was obviously very immense, I just felt really grateful and really appreciative. I also had a bit of guilt because there was a woman in the bed next to me who had obviously gone through the same surgery and she'd only got six eggs and there was something there about feeling bad. But at the end of the day, I was celebrating my body and congratulating myself for for being able to, you know, really being grateful and, and happy and relieved that I was able to produce that amount of eggs. And I decided based on that, that I won't be doing another round because if you need around 20 to have one or two live births, I just feel, you know, you can now store many more eggs and it's an option to do it again. But because my body was really reacted quite negatively to the hormones, it's just, I'm really happy with this amount. Now, in terms of the procedure, honestly, it was, I was already home. I They give you about an hour to come round. They give you some tea and a biscuit to make sure that you're feeling okay and you and they sent me on my way so already like three hours later I was at home in bed and I just slept the rest of the day and it really wasn't very dramatic now everyone responds differently to these kinds of things. But for me, I'd already cleared a few days of that week to not work. I just wanted my body to recalibrate and go back to normal. They say you only have to take off one day of work. I think that really depends what kind of work you do. For me, as I'm a coach, I have to be in a good mindset. So it wasn't really an option during this time to be with my clients in the same way. And I think if you do anything physical, then you probably should take a week off work this week. But if you're working on a laptop and it's remote or, you know, obviously you'll be working remotely during this, uh, these days, then I do think that you can, you only need to probably take off one or two days, but again, each to their own. The procedure itself didn't hurt. It feels like afterwards that you have some bruising inside, like mild bruising. It did hurt a little bit to walk for a few days, but then it felt fine. Okay. So that's basically the procedure and what, you know, the result that I got for me. And I've been asked time and time again, is it painful? I have a low pain threshold and I survived it. And even to the point where I didn't even need to take painkillers after the retrieval. And I'm somebody who loves the paracetamol. So uh, I really don't think that we can, you know, it is painful. Again, I had heard that the after of the egg freezing was way worse than the start. And I had the opposite for me, the egg freezing when I was on the hormones was quite negative. And then when as soon as I did it, my body really started to go back to normal. And honestly, I'd say within two weeks, I I felt like my body recalibrated. Now you're supposed to come on your period, you know, if you imagine that it's like you're ovulating when you do the trigger shot, that you can come on your period anytime between five and five days and another 10 days, maybe a bit longer. I actually came on my period straight away. I think it was three or four days after and apparently this also happens sometimes and it was good it was like a release you have a very very heavy period because the lining of your uterus has gone very thick because of the eggs that obviously it's expecting that your body is ovulated and going to have a baby so you have a very thick much thicker than usual utero lining and I had a very heavy period for around seven days and um I was good because I felt like I was almost like releasing all of the hormones and the toxins from my body and it felt like a bit of a, a purge and a detox. Now we're coming to the end of the podcast episode and I do feel like, you know, it's a lot of information to digest and I don't want to uh, go over the hour and I only have around 10 minutes remaining. So I'm just going to pick out the questions that I think are the ones that maybe you'll be interested in hearing about. So the question that I got a lot after I did it was, are you happy that you did it? And honestly, I am so happy that I did it. It felt like a really empowering decision. It felt really right for me. I noticed that afterwards, I just had a different mindset. I don't think you need to freeze your eggs to have a good mindset about believing that you can still be a mother and do all those things that you want to do. But something about taking this decision and putting those eggs in the freezer just gave me a huge sense of relief. And, you know, to answer the question in short, I'm really, really grateful for myself six months ago, who got that rejection from that guy and then took that rejection and made it into this redirection, which was to freeze my eggs. So yes, I'm really, really happy I did it. And even though it was a little bit hard for around two weeks, I'm very grateful that I did. Another question that I got is, are you telling men that you date about the fact that you're doing it? And I think there's a whole conversation here around this, but the short answer is, I did I didn't lead with it it wasn't like hi I'm Emma I'm freezing my eggs even though if they check my Instagram they would that's exactly what they would see but I felt like it was important and I'm a huge believer and I want to be breaking the taboo about talking about fertility not just amongst women but amongst everyone and I thought it was important so I did when I was about to consider it when I started doing the tests, I did tell men not every man just if I felt comfortable with them and if I felt like it came up in conversation or if they asked if I wanted children then I would mention about freezing eggs and when I was doing it I stopped dating for those uh for that month it was just not a priority for me as I mentioned before I hated men and I did feel like the response that I got from the men when I did tell them that I was about to do it was really, really positive. I never felt I never felt that a man was scared off. Maybe that's because I choo- chose who I told, but I felt like they were all really encouraging. Lots of said, oh, my sister's done it or, oh, my, you know, one of my friends is just doing it. It's becoming a lot more normalized and I want to be part of that normalization. Now, ironically, I don't know whether it's connected or not, but I started uh, dating somebody the week after my egg retrieval, who is now my current partner. So I think it's really interesting to see that I, you know, obviously just almost needed to get this done and get it out of the way and get those eggs in the freezer and open myself up and then the relationship could come in. Now, please don't take that as every single one of you who's going to freeze your eggs is going to get into a relationship straight away. But for me, there was definitely something there of feeling blocked before and then opening myself up. And the person that I started dating was very aware of my egg freezing journey. We were friends before, knew a lot about it. We'd spoken in depth about it. And I think from what I understand, really respects, he really respects it. And he really likes the fact that I took that control and did it. And I think that it's important to say that most men and the men that you want to date will be supportive. The last question that I'm going to answer is, did you make any preparations for your body before you started doing it? The answer to that is yes and no. I had started to be aware more of my health and my uh, body and the food that I was putting into my body related to fertility by following somebody on Instagram who I ended up inviting onto the podcast called Lauren Allen. She's a nutritionist who specializes with helping women conceive. And I really recommend that episode. It's an amazing episode if you are wanting to increase your fertility and increase your uh, egg quantity and quality, whether that's before pregnancy or before uh, egg freezing. And I'd already started to implement a few different uh, things into my diet, eating more nuts, just in general, you know, eating more eggs which have omega omega-3 in it and just being a little bit more healthy and more aware. In general, I try to have a healthy diet. I'm not the healthiest person around, but I try when I'm in a when I'm in a good place to, you know, eat quite clean and eat non-processed food. So I really recommend that podcast if you want to know more. And she also on her Instagram has some resources. I think she has like a freebie of how to increase your um, egg quality. And apart from that I started taking a vitamin or a pill called coenzyme Q10. And some people also take prenatal pills, I decided not to, I just took the coenzyme for a few months before, and not every single day, because I'm quite bad at taking supplements on a, on the daily basis, I often forget. In general, what I understand is that if you're about to do it like next month, the changes in the diet do take a while to come through. So if it's something that you're considering doing in six months, in one year, already start to make those changes now, because what you eat now is going to affect the eggs in another three three months plus. And apart from that, you know, just having a healthy lifestyle and trying to maintain that is really important. And I would say I really prepared mentally for it. You know, obviously have a lot of tools and skills as a coach to be able to do it. I journaled a lot on it. I had really open conversations. I connected with a lot of other women who had also done it or who were thinking of doing it. I wasn't afraid to address those questions. I obviously spoke about it on my Instagram and created a community around it and I researched it. So those are the preparations that I made before. And I really think it's just important that you don't have to hide it. And a lot of the questions that I also got were It was different for me. I work for myself. So I told my clients, and they were very aware and very supportive. But what if you have an employer and you don't want them to know? Now, if I was in that situation, I definitely would tell my direct manager. I would probably say in confidentiality, this is what's going on. And I just want you to know that I'm going to have to take some time off. And I'm sure they, you know, hopefully will be supportive and understanding. And if I felt comfortable, I would also maybe share it with some colleagues, but you don't have to. It's confidential. You don't need to share it if you don't want to but I would recommend telling your superior at work because I think it will affect your work so for now that's most of the questions that we managed to get through I hope I haven't missed anything I do want to just remind you that again this is my individual journey my unique body and my unique age and location and fertility levels and all of those things so please take everything I've said with a pinch of salt and it's not gospel And if you do have any questions, I really urge you to reach out to me. I am more than happy to uh, respond. And it's been a real pleasure sharing my story and actually very therapeutic. And I really, 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 (laughs) three reallys care about this cause. I think that I really want it to be spoken about more. So this episode is really important to me if you agree and you also think this episode and this topic is important please share it share it with any friends that you know who have considered egg freezing or who you've spoken to about it and please rate and review the podcast and let's get this message of taking control of our fertility in our 30s out to as many people that we can and I'll see everybody on the podcast next week